This is episode 77 with Rona Glynn McDonald. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Rona Glynn McDonald works with high impact organizations to propel social change. She has a background in economics and a passion for disruptive ideas. She's a proud Cadich woman and the founder of Common Ground, an online space that shares Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, histories and lived experiences. Rona aims to help create an Australia that embraces and celebrates our first Australians. Rona impressed me immensely. She has such an array of knowledge in many different areas and her professionalism aligns beautifully with her passion. Once again, I was buzzing after this yarn because as always, I'm so grateful to connect with values-driven humans who are making positive impacts in the world. I'm always intrigued by the different Aboriginal cultures from around the world And I often think how little I know about the Australian Indigenous and First Peoples cultures. That's why when I discovered Rona and Middle Ground, I jumped at the opportunity to learn more and expose these learnings to my community, you legendary listeners. In this episode, we discuss the difficulty of understanding what the appropriate terminology is to use when referring to Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders, how Rona's grandmother being part of the stolen generation has fueled her drive to establish common ground, why as a nation we aren't united, celebrating and embracing our first Australians. We learn about kinships, moities and totems. Rona shares her virtual virtual reality vision and how this can impact common ground significantly. Uh, We learn about her desire to be a change maker and so much more. And before we hear from Rona, I want to take a minute to read out another iTunes review. And I'm really excited and abundantly grateful because I did a shout out in the last couple of episodes and asking people and explaining the importance and the power of you guys writing your review and giving your five-star rating on iTunes and on the other platforms to help us rank higher in the algorithms and a lot of you listened and have jumped on board and written reviews and given the the rating so thank you so much for that. Just another quick explanation for those who might have missed it, it the reason it does help us is because it bumps us up on the algorithms on iTunes and when people search certain words in the podcast apps, because you can use your podcast app like Google and if you type in inspiration or if you type in human behavior, if you type in world-class athletes, 
charity founders, whatever it is that you're looking for, and the more ratings and reviews that we have, the higher it pops up on the ranks so people will start to listen to it. And also then when I have more ratings and reviews, it shows a bit of substance behind it when guests decide whether or not to come onto the show and they say, oh, there's a few people there listening to Robbo's podcast, let's let's give him a crack. <laughs> so it all does help. Helps me uh, help you by getting these great guests on. So this one is titled A Game Changer and it's from Ryan O'Connor from Australia. He says, Brett, your podcast has me hooked. Through the abundance of knowledge and life experiences shared on this platform, I have learned so much. I've been able to set myself not big audacious goals, but ones that align with my newly discovered values. It is evident of noticeable change in my life, reflective in all aspects. I cannot wait to learn more from you, Brett, and your guests as I take the next step and take on your program. Thank you, mate. Well, thank you, Ryan, for taking the time to write that. And also, Ryan has joined our Mental Strength Training online program. And I know that he's getting a lot of value from it because he's been messaging me and contributing and saying how much he's getting from that. So a double whammy there for Ryan. So I'm abundantly grateful for both aspects there, mate. And for everyone else, thank you who has written in and done reviews and the ratings. And I'll be reading some of those out as we move forward and appreciate for everyone else who's listening who will jump on and do that if you genuinely feel like it deserves your time and effort to give a rating and review. Thanks very much. And now, strap in for an educational yarn like none other that I've had on your life of impact. So, Rona, what is Common Ground? Common Ground is an online space that shares Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, histories and lived experiences. We've brought together both curated and original content that anyone can access online to learn about our first Australians and ensure that every Australian has the opportunity to embrace and celebrate our first peoples. And where does the content come from? Is it the communities themselves? Is it from historical recordings? Are you entering into the communities? So I'm a Kaditch woman. I'm from Central Australia And I was really lucky to grow up around my culture and be able to learn from people around me. So some of the content that is original is written by me and I make that in association with other people who have knowledge in particular areas. And then we also have curated content, which comes from all across the internet. So there's videos and TV shows and movies that all already exist across the net and we've created almost like an online portal for people to be able to go on their own learning journeys. So it was a really long process bringing together all this content and then testing it to ensure that it is really interesting and does provide a foundational level of knowledge for any Australian to learn about our first peoples. Common Ground is meant to be the beginning of people's journeys into learning about our first Australians and really spark and ignite that interest and help people feel confident about going having going and having conversations in, in their own communities. One of the bigger challenges of creating Common Ground was showcasing the diversity of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across the country because we are so diverse. Our cultures and our histories are completely different you know, whether you're in Sydney with Koori Mob or you're up where I'm from with Kadish Mob, 
our lived experiences are completely different and trying to evidence that through common ground is a real challenge and something that we hope to to tackle in the future. I was going to ask what a Kadish woman was when you mentioned that before. So that's the the mob and where you're from, is it? Yeah, so Kadish is my family's language and our culture, which is from a place near Barrow Creek, which is up the Stewart Highway in in the Northern Territory. I grew up in Alice Springs, but my family were originally from Kadish country, which is about 500 k's up the north of Central Australia. Awesome. Now, before we find out more about your inspiring journey, Rona, welcome to Your Life of Impact. Thank you. Now, we've never actually met before, but I'd seen some articles about you and about Common Ground Online, and I loved your drive, and what I could see was your passion for this space. So I thought, you know what? I want to speak to her on the podcast and help promote this brilliant concept because I'm actually learning from it too. And here we are. Here we are. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Absolute pleasure. I'm super grateful to have you on the show. And I'm intrigued. How did this come about for you? For me, I was really lucky to grow up in Central Australia and have that connection and visibility of Aboriginal culture there. My own Kadich culture, which is from you know, pretty far north of Alice Springs was actually less visible in in my upbringing when I was young. And while I was growing up as a teenager, you know, I had a lot of friends who were Walpuri and Luritja, which are the language and cultural groups near Alice Springs. And there was this real interest and drive for me to learn even more about my culture. My grandmother was a member of the Stolen Generations. And unfortunately, she didn't have as much connection to her culture as yeah, it, it, it is, it's a tragedy really that she was taken from her country and her culture and her lifelong journey has been learning about Kadich culture and she actually started a, a media organisation, the first Aboriginal media organisation in Australia called the Central Aboriginal Media Association. And so her journey was, you know, learning about her stories, her language and her songs. And as I got older, I realised the importance of this, particularly when I moved to Melbourne four years ago to study at university and I'd grown up in this tiny town of Alice Springs and moved to Melbourne and suddenly I realised how little Australians knew about our first people. I was at a college and a university surrounded by extreme white privilege and so many people would constantly ask me questions about my Aboriginality, what it was like to be a a fair-skinned Aboriginal woman what life was like back home in our community and I would share my knowledge and try and give people a perspective but I realised that so many people were yearning for this knowledge but they didn't have the resources or access to people and conversations that would allow them to learn more. These were really educated young people who had been through, you know, high school and they were conscious and progressive but they still hadn't been given that opportunity you know I'd love to have been able to point them to a website that they could learn that but there wasn't one that existed so that's why I created common ground to create a space that allowed people to bridge gaps in knowledge and become more aware culturally sensitive Australians what were you studying at uni I studied a bachelor of commerce economics and finance which is 
not really being put to use today. Isn't that interesting? You find that with so many people that have done degrees. Is there any concepts from that that are coming across to help you with on, on your journey at the moment? I think economics is really interesting in that it doesn't really represent humanity and human behavior. And that's something that I found really challenging at uni. And I think I use economics as a tool for showcasing that our current model in Australia doesn't fit the diversity of the people within it. If you look at Aboriginal populations across Australia, particularly those in remote communities, our government is trying to drive policies and solutions with a a blanket approach to economics and development. But economics really allows me to see that it doesn't work for Indigenous communities and we, we need better solutions. I'm really passionate about cultural capital and I'm really passionate about how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures can be used to drive solutions, economic solutions within communities, within Indigenous communities to ensure that they can participate in the economy. Brilliant. I can hear it coming through how that does cross over. Whilst you might not be using the X's and O's that you studied from that, that connection to the non-human behavioural elements is super powerful on what you've created now and for your foreseeable light that you've shined in this direction of what you're actually doing. Yeah, cool. Like I, I think I went into economics when I started going, oh, this is really interesting. I love being able to understand demand and supply. And through exploring economics further and thinking about cultural capital, we all have assets in our culture. And I think monetary value isn't placed on it as much as it should. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures are strong and full of knowledge knowledge that can be used by all of Australia and the world. And that's not something that is often recognised and it really should be. Brilliant. And that's what I loved actually about looking at the website and understanding where Common Ground is is going and what it's actually doing. And on Common Ground, I saw that you pitched this concept at Parliament House and I wanted to ask you, how was that experience for you personally and what was the outcome there? It was pretty awesome. I didn't actually expect to be pitching that week. Gone into this ABC Trailblazer program where they said they'd help expose us to some of the top leaders in the country and I didn't know what that would look like. And they sat us down on the Monday and said, look, on Wednesday you're going to be pitching to 350 MPs and government officials and we're going to prepare you for that in a day. And I think a lot of people freaked out but I was – lucky to have had a bit of pitching practice in the past but pitching at parliament house was something else and having those people in the room those leaders those influences was something that not many people have the opportunity to do i've always looked up to parliament house i was actually in boarding school in canberra for a year when i was in year nine and i used to run around parliament house every morning and think wow the impact those people in that that world could be having on Australia is astounding and I would one day want to be a part of that. So I think being able to go there and say and share my story was something that was really powerful and a a milestone in my life from that journey when I was 15, looking at the building and being intrigued, actually being within it and having some influence and having the opportunity to be able to share my story. It was really cool. And From that, mostly I've just been able to connect with some MPs and people within government departments that are really excited by Common Ground and the impact it can have 
for people across Australia. So it was well received? Yeah, it was well received. I did say massacre and genocide within the halls of Parliament House and I don't know how well that (laughs) went down because some people don't want to face the truth but everyone, the, the feedback I got was that Common Ground is a is something that Australia really needs and people congratulated me on what I'm doing and sometimes you just need a little a boost. It's hard to stay focused when you've got such a long way to go and so many people to, to touch with Common Ground that having a, an opportunity to get a bit of feedback and have that positivity coming through was really important and something that has been able to propel me forward in the in the past months. So you sort of touched on it there. What are some of your personal challenges that you face to bring this to life and to keep it going? I think for any social entrepreneur and some anyone in this space of creating impact, there's always the, the shadow of scalability and funding. That's something that I think a lot of people struggle with, particularly for me with Common Ground, there are no revenue streams yet. So trying to figure out how to fund this and how to scale this is a real challenge. Another challenge is I'm a Kadich woman and that's my lived experience, but I can't talk to every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person in the country. So trying to reflect their lived experiences and their cultures in the content is quite difficult. And the way that I'm trying to overcome that is ensure that there are as many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices coming through common ground. So it's not just me and volunteers, it's, it's, it's people all across Australia who are able to share their, their own stories and have ownership over their own culture and histories. At least you're aware of it. Yeah, that's, that's the start. But trying to achieve that scale is, is really quite difficult and I'm grappling with that at the moment. Yeah, I could imagine, and that's why I asked that question, I could imagine that it's quite rewarding but also quite testing, uh, gratifying and then difficult all in the same breath when you when you talk about this project and uh, especially can be deflating if you're not getting the support you're after, I imagine. Absolutely. And there's so many stakeholders and key players in this space in when we're talking about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, it's really politicised within Australia and everyone has their own opinions on how things should be done and what reconciliation looks like. And, you know, it's hard to balance balance all of that. I'd like to think that what I'm creating is aligned with what all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people want and need, but it's just not possible to, to do that. There's always going to be outliers and people that but against your your vision. But unfortunately, I haven't had that happen yet, but I imagine that there's people out there and that will, will be part of the experience. And what are some of the ideas that you have to create this scalability and the revenue stream? I'm sitting on some ideas now about how, like one thing that I think not many people understand is when we're talking about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, not all of it can be publicly shared. There are sacred elements that won't be shared with Australia and those sacred elements of culture are so important to ensuring the identity of Aboriginal people is strengthened in this country. So I want Common Ground to be able to strengthen that sacred cultural knowledge and also provide the space to share knowledge that can be shared publicly within Australia. And ways in which I'm hoping to do that is by creating open source platforms for 
Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to record their own knowledge and histories and share only the knowledge and histories that they want to share publicly through the Common Ground platform, but also keep those elements of culture and history that are sacred within just their family groups and community groups. So it's quite a complicated tech build, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to secure funding for Common Ground to be able to create this big monster uh, where people can record their own stories and then be able to share them through Common Ground. That's really interesting. I didn't realise that about the cultures, that there was so much sacred information that isn't allowed to be shared and released. Yeah, and you see that changing across Australia while in Central Australia, some of those sacred ceremonies and dreamings in Jukupa will be kept within family groups, whereas in other places in Australia, it all might be public nowadays. But the way that knowledge is passed down, it's passed down through kinship groups, and only some kinship groups have access to particular dreamings or particular areas or particular stories about sacred sites. So it's not always public. That's something that I think is quite special about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, that there are things that are unique to individual family groups and communities all across Australia. And that uniqueness is incredibly special. That's another aspect of what I was really highlighted to. I know that there's a lot of different cultures within the First Peoples within this nation but just understanding the the commonalities and then the differences that you're exposing us to through common ground is really cool. Mm. But you mentioned there about kinships too. Tell us a little bit about kinships because I was fascinated with this breakdown on the website and especially the the moiety. Have I pronounced that right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, tell us a little bit about these concepts. Kinship is really quite complicated and it's something that I struggled to be able to articulate on Common Ground's platform. Kinship is the way that you relate to people around you. It's the way you relate to the world. It's the way you relate to the earth. Kinship can be broken down into three elements. One of the elements is your skin name. So every person is given a skin name which reflects how they relate to the people around them. So it's passed down from generations and tells me who my brothers are, who my sisters are, even if I'm not from the same community as them. If I go out to a random community like Papunya, which is on Walpuri country in Central Australia, and you know I meet someone and they have the same skin name, Naparula, as me, I know that because they're Naparula and I'm Naparula, we are sisters. So it's this amazing system of creating relationships and obligations between people where I can go anywhere within the Central Australian region and as soon as someone knows my skin name, they know what kind of relationship we have, whether we I look after them, they look after me, but there's always that obligation and also that security in having a, a relationship and you immediately meet someone and you're part of their family. It's incredible and I think that's something that exists all across Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures is that sense of community that is so important. While not all people will use skin names anymore, you'll still find, you know, you, you meet someone in the street and they know you're Aboriginal and straight away they're like, come on, my sister, I'll look after you, no worries, and you just have that an immediate affinity with that person. 
And I think particularly in a world where we talk about how community is broken, particularly in urban areas where people are operating as individuals and they don't have familial networks or support like they used to, it's so important to have that sense of community around you. And that's something that kinship and being an Aboriginal person in this country ensures. There's a couple of other elements to kinship which are a bit more complicated. One is called Moody, which speaks to the world is split in half and it talks about how there's two strains to everything and your place within that. You kind of see it reflected in kinship names and how there's a male and a female kinship name. And then the final element of kinship is totems and people are given a totem at birth and that totem reflects their dreaming or their jukupa, which is a Walpuri term for dreaming. And so if you're given a, a, the totem of an owl, that, that represents who you are and that's a sacred animal that you always have to protect. Do you have a totem? No, I don't. Through the stolen generations, we kind of lost that connection to totems, which is quite sad. But I do have my my skin name and that's something that's really important to me and I feel so lucky to to know that and know how I relate to everyone around me beautiful I love that connection that family that community just vibrant yeah connection is the word that's that's awesome like you said you know connection is something that is a bit lost in society in these days that we see in many different cultures around the world so to understand that at a deeper level from the first peoples that's really cool thanks for sharing that no worries speaking of connection what about spiritual connection in the first people's lives so if we look at spirituality and you know i talk about my spiritual health and having a spiritual mentor what's the belief around spirituality and a higher purpose in a lot of these cultures that you've been exposed to i think one of the main themes in aboriginal and torres Strait islander cultures is that connection to your country or connection to your your waterways or seas if you're lucky enough to be living on the coast and that connection to country dominates all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's lives. doesn't matter if you're living in the bush on, you know, what people call country, in inverted commas. You can be living in Melbourne where it's built up and that connection to your land is so important to Aboriginal people. It's part of who you are. It's part of your, your lived experience. It's part of your history. That, in my mind, is spirituality for us. It's that connection to place and to identity and to community that makes us who we are. Makes complete sense to me. It is that that connection. What about understanding, help us to understand more about reconciliation and terminology. Yeah. What's the, what is the appropriate term that we use? Is it Aboriginal? Is it Indigenous? Is it First Peoples? All across Australia, I think Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people all as individuals and collective groups have their preferences on how to be named. And I think there is no right answer in my mind. There's positives and negatives to all of the terms that have been thrown at us since colonisation, whether it's Aboriginal, Indigenous, First Australians, First Nations. They all have positive and negative aspects and you can read about it on the Common Ground website. I, as a preference, use Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples because it represents the that diversity. There are Aboriginal people in this country and there are also Torres Strait Islander peoples. But using peoples on the end is such an important distinction to humanise a term that has been used against us and it, 
used to oppress us since colonisation. There's this growing trend in Australia to use First Nations, which is a term that's come from the United States and Canada to recognise the nations that came before colonisation. And while I think it's awesome and it's a really powerful term that many activists are using across Australia, it doesn't necessarily evidence the uniqueness of Australia as a place. So that's why some people will go for First Australians rather than First Nations because there's that reference to Australia and that reference to being the first people of Australia. It's really hard to come to a conclusion on which term to use and I actually don't think I have reconciled that within myself within like to find which term that I think is most appropriate because there's so many different contexts in which you'll be speaking about it. If I'm talking to my family, I'll refer to us as blackfellas rather than Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And I hope that one day there's a consensus on which is the right term to use, but I think for now it's really quite contentious and it's challenging. So my advice to non-Indigenous Australia is when you're referring to us, ask the individuals, families or community groups you're speaking with because everyone has their own preference and it's important to respect that. Absolutely. I've got some really close Aboriginal friends and their mum actually, you know, they refer to themselves as blackfellas and she refers to me as her white son and I'm proud to be her white son. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the vision of Common Ground is a united Australia that celebrates and embraces our first Australians. Why... Do you personally believe that we Australians aren't already doing this? Mm-hmm. Because you see it all across Australia, you see it online, you feel it as an Aboriginal person within this country that we can't be united unless we recognise the past, which not all Australians do. We can't be united until we've closed the gap. We can't be united until every Australian understands about our first Australians and respects their histories and their cultures and their lived experiences. I think from my perspective, it's so clear that there are huge divides in our country and I can understand that many non-Indigenous Australians may not feel that because they don't experience racism on a daily basis or they're not tagged in the comments on a on a Facebook post where some some non-Indigenous Australian is, you know, being openly hating or racist or discriminating against Aboriginal people. I think coming from Alice Springs and seeing the injustice within our communities and also seeing the injustice within Aboriginal communities across Australia, it's so clear to me, but I can understand why so many Australians don't see that because they don't care about it. And that's the thing. We're not taught about it at school. It's rarely read about online. We don't read about it in our textbooks. No, not many Australians are given the opportunity to understand and to learn about our first Australians. Well, massive congrats to you for making this a bigger push in that area. Thank you. All right. Tell me a little bit more about Rona Glyn McDonald. What else fuels your soul? What fuels my soul? I think... I have this desire to be a change maker, someone who sees problems in the world and wants to find solutions. And I'm a creative. I love creating and starting something from scratch 
but for a purpose. I get really excited by new technologies and opportunities that can change people's lives in a positive way. And I find it so hard to not distract myself from, you know, my my goals with Common Ground and what I'm doing on a day-to-day by these new shiny technologies. Yeah. What are some of those things that are exciting you most at, at this point in life? At this point in life, I'm so excited about the application of virtual reality and mixed reality, augmented reality in our lives and actually how education can become more equitable through use of those technologies. If we can reach people all across the world and give them learning resources, you know, a virtual teacher that's in your periphery, that's amazing and that's something that I think we'll be seeing in the next 10 to 20 years. I'm really excited by blockchain technology and how that can be used in all industries and all sectors, particularly looking at, you know, Indigenous cultures and histories and how we can preserve and transfer knowledge between generations. When I talked about, you know, some knowledge is sacred, it's sacred because it's only passed down through particular family groups and having those permissions is quite complicated. Blockchain technologies could be used in the future when someone passes away to transfer that knowledge to the next generation. Blockchain technology blows my mind. (laughs) I don't even pretend to understand. I've looked into it a little bit and uh, followed it for a while and I just thought it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. But on the virtual reality, could you see this coming into common ground? I was just picturing people from around the world being able to be exposed to some communities in different elements through something like virtual reality? A hundred percent. I'm currently in talks with some people looking at ways that we can use virtual reality to share stories and give those immersive experiences to Indigenous and non-Indigenous people across the whole entire world. I think it's amazing for breaking down those barriers of communication when you're not in the same place as someone else and you can't sit down and have a yarn with them. I think virtual reality is is the next best thing between, you know, human connection on the ground. So I'm really excited at looking at ways that we can use that through common ground to providing really impactful experiences that evidence the beauty of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures across this country. Brilliant. I'm excited to see that unfold. Now, you mentioned impactful there and This is something that I ask all my guests on the podcast. What specific advice can you give to the listeners on what action they can take to become more impactful in their lives and in their communities? I think within Australia and the world, when we're not just talking about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, we're talking about all cultures. I think to be kind and to be a person of impact within this country, you need to understand the diverse histories and perspectives of those people around you, whether it's Aboriginal cultures, whether it's Sudanese cultures, whether it's Singaporean cultures, being able to sit down and have a conversation and really understand where someone comes from and what their cultures and history looks like is so important in our modern society, particularly in Australia where we have such incredible diversity and We're so lucky to have that. When we're talking about learning about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and histories, Common Ground is an awesome resource for you to begin your journey in decolonising your thinking. As a non-Indigenous Australian, anybody can begin the process of decolonising their thinking. We all have internal biases that we might 
not recognised in the way that we look at the world and the way that we look at other cultures or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. It's up to individuals to take take steps to better understanding those other cultures. And yeah, common ground is a place to start, but I think going out into your community and making an effort to meet a person from your local community that has a culture that's completely different to your own, I think it, you can learn a lot from other people's perspectives and cultures. And that's something that we all need to be doing. So well said. And I guess for me growing up, I grew up in Western New South Wales in Cobar and surrounded by a lot of different communities out there. And talking about Aboriginal cultures, that was normal. I went to school with a lot of different cultures and played sports with a lot of different cultures. And then moving to the city and being surrounded by international diversities. And I love that you say that as a country, we're lucky to have that and to embrace that. It saddens me when people are very naive to those fortunate realities that we are lucky to be exposed to that. Absolutely. I think so many Australians are scared by that. Um, I've had so many conversations, even a conversation this week with someone who was worried about Chinese people taking over. I'm like, mate, think about all the amazing food they bring us and that diversity of perspectives (laughs) that, you know, it heightens all of our lives by having diversity within Australia and I don't think we appreciate it nearly enough. Well said. Tell them to go and have a yarn with those people and they might actually enjoy their time. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) I think human connection is so important to distilling fears of, you know, Australia being taken over by people that aren't white. (laughs) I think it's so funny because Australia was taken over by white people and then it's now Australia being scared of, diversity or people of color it's insane (laughs) interesting so you've mentioned we've mentioned common ground quite a bit where can we learn more about you and common ground so what's your social media the website tags everything like that and then also how can i and the listeners help you on your journey so our website is at www.commonground.org.au and we're on Instagram and Facebook. At this point, Common Ground's only been launched for less than a month. So what I would love from any listeners who are sparked by this conversation and would love to be a part of the journey, if you could take a look at Common Ground and share it with people in your network to whatever capacity you can, by sharing it, we can reach more Australians and we can increase our impact. We'll be sharing it, absolutely, helping you with that impactful journey. Now, Rona, one of my top core values is giving and I give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value on the podcast and for you, I'm going to give you a pass into my mental strength training online program because I believe you're a well-rounded human already and I've loved this chat and I'd be stoked to have you join in this community and this program uh, and learn some of what we've got to offer around human behavior and then also to get your feedback on how this relates to your understanding from your cultural perspective. Awesome. That's so exciting. And is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners before we wrap up or is there anything you would like to ask me? I do want to ask you something. I'm just trying to think of what's something that I can learn a lot from. Is 
common ground, something that you had been yearning for or something that you had hoped would exist before before you came across it? Honestly, no, because of my ability to not understand that this didn't already exist. I, I guess I'm a very optimistic lover of life and in my head mm. when I came across it, I thought, I can't believe that this didn't already exist. So, it, it wasn't something that I was yearning for but now that it's there, I think this is brilliant. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for the opportunity to spin a yarn. I hope you've learned something from Common Ground and yeah, I'm really grateful for being able to share my story. This is my first podcast. <laughs> hey, I love it when people are the first time podcasters. You beauty. <laughs> it's been a positive experience. I think that might be due to having an awesome host, but it's exciting. How long have you been doing the podcast for, by the way? I It's almost one year, actually. It'll be one year on the 1st of July. That's so cool. It's been such a rewarding journey and I often comment about this on, on different episodes and when I just jump on and have a chat and when I'm talking to people in general public but I absolutely love it to be able to connect with legends like yourself and help share your awesomeness but also the feedback that I get from listeners. It just you know, it gives me goosebumps and the, the amount of times that I read an email or a private message saying how it's shifted people's perspective and helped change their lives and helped them through you know, mental health battles or just given them that inspiration and that drive to keep going with whatever they're doing. It's such a rewarding journey. So cool. You can reach so many people through a podcast as well. Exactly. Awesome. Absolutely. Now, you're not escaping that fast. I do have the fast five questions to finish off. So, a little bit of a fun way to finish. Now, with these fast five, don't really give yourself too much time to think about the answer, just whatever comes to mind straight away. Okay. Cool. What's one habit you wish you could change? I like treating myself too much. I do a lot of like treating myself with Netflix or Stan or eating shitty food and I feel like sometimes I do it a little bit too much. It's like slow down, Rona. You don't need to treat yourself all the time. <laughs> what makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized. I'm actually addicted to coding, I think. Like when I've created something in front of me from just a piece of, you know, words, numbers, letters, semicolons, I feel so pumped and exhilarated. I think seeing the form of something I've created over a really short space of time gets me so excited and drives me. Ah, brilliant. Have you ever washed a dog? Yes, I have a dog and he doesn't enjoy getting washed that much but love it. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Choose people who lift you up. Surround yourself with people that propel you to do better and be better and you are the average of the top five people you spend the most time with. Oh, so powerful. And last one, what are you most grateful for in your life right now? My family for grounding me, for providing my identity and supporting me through whatever I decide to do next. Rona, you're a legend. You operate from a spiritually centered place and align your work with your values and your purpose. Keep shining your connected and impactful light to the world. Thank you. Thanks so much. There she is, legends. What a well-rounded change maker. Make sure you jump online and check out commonground.org.au and start to improve your knowledge and education and support of the First Peoples cultures. 
I love Rona's articulate but also laid-back approach to life and it makes me proud to see her come from a small community and just kick ass at life in her desired way. Also, remember to follow me on social media at L-I-F-E-F-O-R-X-L-N-S. That's at Life for Excellence to keep up with the giveaways and the behind-the-scenes footage of living. Instagram Stories is our most active platform. We have a lot of fun there. Please tag at Life for Excellence wherever you're listening to an episode. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.